0: Welcome to Watch Therefore. Our Savior Jesus told us to watch for His coming, and the signs that He spoke of are all around us, shouting, Watch Therefore and be ready. So join me, Dove Schwartz, as we learn to watch and prepare for the coming of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now today's program was recorded at Calvary Chapel Beth Shalom in Pearland. And I'd like to invite all of our listeners in the Houston area To join us at Calvary Chapel in Pearland, where the Bible is taught line upon line, chapter upon chapter, book upon book, where prayer is a priority and where fellowship is something we experience together as Jesus, our Savior, walks in our midst by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, Ray Jensen is the new pastor at Calvary Chapel, Beth Shalom, and the Lord has raised him up to lead this congregation in this critical hour just before the coming of Messiah Jesus. Listen today, and we pray you're blessed.
1: There's somebody in our lives that that just gets under our skin. You have to forgive them. Scripture says if you won't forgive, you won't be forgiven. John 15, 12. He said, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. You don't love people on your own terms. So we don't love them the way we think love is. Jesus says, you want you to love one another as I loved you. Jesus died on the cross while we killed him. Oh, no, the Romans and Jews killed him. No, we all took part. We all took a swing. We all participated in that. And he still forgave us. And so now why did the soldiers divide his garments and cast lots? as it says here. We remember that Herod put a royal garment on Jesus and sent him away. This isn't what the soldiers gambled for because in Matthew 27:31, again, if you read all the accounts of the gospels, you'll see a lot of other details talking about the same story. Matthew 27:31 says that the royal garment was taken off of Jesus right before he was sent to be crucified. So it's not the same garment that Herod put on him. So the garments that Jesus wore, this garment was a coat. But he had garments on under it. The garments that Jesus wore at the crucifixion consisted of some garments that could be divided. I'll take this piece, you take that piece, you take this piece. But then also he had a tunic or a coat. And this coat was a, it was not a patchwork of pieces all sewn together. It was one solid woven piece of material and it was, it was split at the chest and at the back so that you could put your head through it. One big piece of cloth. And it had no seams. It was a quality piece of clothing. It took a lot of time to make. And so the soldiers saw it and they're like, hey, that's a pretty valuable piece of clothing there. But it was seamless. So if they tore it, it would have been, become worthless. The soldiers divided what they could, but they would not divide this one-piece coat because it would have destroyed the value of that coat. I want to show you in John 19 and 23. Then the soldiers, when they had crucified Jesus, took his garments and made four parts to each soldier part, and also the tunic. Now the tunic was without seam, woven from the top in one piece. They said, therefore, among themselves, let us not tear it, but cast lots for it, whose it shall be. And so why were they casting lots for his clothes? I can find a couple reasons. First, like I said earlier, they were using Jesus for selfish gain. This was quite a coat. I could go take this thing in and make some money off of it. They were using Jesus for selfish gain. Herod saw Jesus as someone he could use to gain something for himself. And now the soldiers are doing the same thing by trying to cash in on the value of his clothing. Don't use Jesus for selfish gain. Americans, we need to stop thinking of Jesus as that genie in the bottle whose only purpose is to give us everything we want. We are here to serve Jesus by being a sacrifice. Material prosperity is not sacrifice. Don't use what's called the American Jesus as a way to think that you are entitled to material gain. Get to know the real Jesus and serve him as a living sacrifice. Now, a second reason why the soldiers gambled for Jesus' clothes is because it was prophesied that they would do it by David 1,000 years before this ever happened. Look at Psalm twenty-two, eighteen. It says, They divide my, gar- my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. You see, what's prophesied is going to happen. When we study prophecy, you can get a view of what's going to happen. Because God's word remains true. God's going to do the things, have the things fulfilled that's going to, that he said will happen. And yet, while all this was going on, Jesus still, now this just blows my mind, Jesus still loved us enough to forgive us. He forgave and even saved one of the thieves. And yet the rulers sneered and the soldiers mocked. And yet Jesus continued to die for you and I to be saved. And one major reason for this is from what we heard Jesus say in the previous chapter when he prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane. Here's why he did it. Not my will, but yours be done. That's why. Not my will, but yours be done. You and I both are having or will soon face heavy persecution. That's just the way it is. Jesus didn't say persecution might come. He said it will come. And when you face that trial, you will be tempted to run away from it. You'll consider stepping aside from walking in God's will so that you can escape the suffering that you know is going to come with it. But always remember this. As you walk in the will of God, when you pray, pray like this. Not my will, but yours be done. Remember, If you don't remember anything I say, remember at least this. Not my will, but yours be done. This is how we are to live for God. Not my will, but yours be done. Live it and encourage others to live it as well. Matthew 26, 53. Jesus had said, Do you think that I cannot now pray to my Father and He will provide me with more than 12 legions of angels? Jesus could have called the angels down to wipe out everybody and take Him off the cross. But He would not do this. Because this was the only way that you and I could ever, ever be saved. It has long been God's will for you to be saved. You've got to repent of, release, let go of, stop doing those nasty sins. So that they will go through the time warp and go to Jesus on the cross. So he can die with your sins and drag them down into the grave and bury them forever. Making you free to live an eternal life. That's why Jesus went through with this. And he did not call for the angels to come get him because he was thinking of you. So whenever you find serving God to be difficult, pray to the Father. Not my will, but yours be done. Persevere. It takes persecution for us to learn to persevere. I want to show you Romans 5 and 3. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations. Does that not sound backwards? It sounds backwards because we're thinking with an earthly mind. Glory in tribulations. Oh man, I know so many, and even I do it sometimes. I think a tribulation coming and I get all worried. That's wrong. Glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance character, and character Hope. Now, hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. If you want people to have the hope of Jesus, then show it to them through your character, by how you persevere in times of tribulation. You do this and you won't be disappointed because God's Holy Spirit is with you, indwelling you as a believer. You do this and you won't be disappointed. That's encouraging. Don't get hung up on the tribulation. Get into what tribulation does. It backfires on the whole system. And it produces the hope for us that we got to show people. When you hit your tribulation, hit it like that, man. Glory in it. Show people Jesus Christ. God is greater than we can comprehend. And if he's telling us to do this, you know it's going to work. So Jesus did not call the angels down. Because he was thinking of you and me. Luke 23 and 39. Then one of the criminals who were hanged blasphemed him, saying, If you are the Christ, save yourself and us. But the other answering rebuked him, saying, Do you not even fear God, seeing you are under the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, assuredly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. You got to think from this guy's standpoint, he's about to die. And then you're told, today you get to be with me in paradise. How cool is that? We are reading about the most profound point in all of history right here. And by telling one of the thieves that he would be saved, this is where Jesus drives one of his most profound messages that he had said in Luke 19.10. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Which was lost. If you read other gospel accounts, again, I've read all the gospel accounts to get, get a full story on all the different viewpoints. If you read the others, they show that both thieves insulted Jesus. Mark 15 32 says, even those who were crucified with him reviled him. They both cut him down. What this means is that over the course of the, this one thief's crucifixion, a lot of changes started setting in. He went through quite a journey. And so it's a miracle that one thief heard the spirit of God draw him to Jesus and called him to repentance and accept of the forgiveness that God was about to provide through Jesus' death. While the disciples were abandoning Jesus, they were, remember, they were all running this way and that. This thief answered the call and all of his sins were forgiven, including all of the insults that he had just thrown at Jesus on the cross. The thief did not have to become a church member somewhere. He didn't have to go through classes. He wasn't water baptized. Nothing that he did of himself, not one single thing of his own works did he do to be saved. He didn't do one thing. God drew him to believe in Jesus as Lord and Savior. That's what happened to that thief. Starting out, he cut Jesus down and insulted him. But now he's had this total change of heart right at the very end. John six forty four, Jesus said, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him and I will raise him up at the last day. If you look at verse 40, you can see how this thief had now come to fear the Lord because he asked the thief, do you not even fear God? And he also had repentance in his words in verse 41. He said, we receive due reward for our, of our deeds. We're getting what we what we deserve. He had repentance now. What timing To demonstrate the love of God and that this thief began his own crucifixion with insulting Jesus. But as he got closer and closer to his death, he began to have a fear of God. And so he repented. And then finally, as the sign on the back of Shannon and Tommy's car says, Repentance leads to salvation. The thief confessed that Jesus is Lord when he said, Lord, do you see that? Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Romans 10, 9, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, see it right there, and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Not might be, not probably, you will. That is a promise. It is ironclad and it is done. The thief believed God would raise Jesus. Did he not? That coincides with Romans 10, 9. He believed that God would raise Jesus because he knew that Jesus would walk into his kingdom after dying on the cross. That's why he said, remember me when you enter your kingdom. And to think that Jesus was under the mind-numbing agony of dying on the cross, he was still able and willing to forgive him. Even while going through this, I had done some research on crucifixion once before. It was developed over a long period of time, over a long and cruel study of the human body about weak points and ways to make the body hurt the most possible. What they did is they hung him with nails here. You see pictures where it's here? That, that don't work. They hung, they put nails right there because that's where these two bones come together. And they nailed him, and then it would hang on that. So he's hanging on that. They gave him, through his, through his feet like this, they gave him enough... Of a a bend like that to where he could push up on his legs or go back down. Now what happened in the course of a crucifixion is that when he hung on his arms, he couldn't breathe. And he would get close to passing out from lack of air. So what he would do is he'd push himself up by his legs to relieve his arms. But then his arms, his legs would start to ache. And his legs would give out and then he'd come back down on those arms again and then he couldn't breathe. And then when he started to pass out. I got to push up on my legs to get my air back. It was a constant back and forth. And the longer you hung there, the worse it got. It was designed to be the slowest, most painful, most torturous death possible. And they had fun out of watching him go back and forth, up and down. Now he's on his legs. Now he's on his arms. Now he's on his legs. Now he's on his arms. He's getting weaker. And they already ripped his back open because they beat him. So every time he pushed up and back down, the open wounds were rubbing against that rough cross and he forgave the thief. Can you forgive like that? Why do we, it brings a question, why do we who are in perfect health hold grudges? Jesus was being crucified. He wasn't just hurting. He was being crucified. This was a long, hard, drawn out deal here. He was being crucified and insulted and ridiculed and yet still forgave those who were part of it. The Bible says in Matthew 6, 15, that if you do not forgive others' sins, God will not forgive your sins. If you're having a hard time with forgiving someone, that's your verse. Matthew 6, 15. Friends, we have to learn to forgive like Jesus. Love others, he said, as I have loved you. Luke 23 and 44. Now it was about the sixth hour, and there was darkness over all the earth until the ninth hour. Then the sun was darkened, and the veil of the temple was torn in two. And when Jesus had cried out with a loud voice, he said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Having said this, he breathed his last. Darkness covered the earth from noon until 3 p.m., Remember, Jesus told those who came to arrest him, he said, this is your hour when darkness reigns. And what's neat here is that the temple veil was torn in two. Now in the temple was what's called the Holy of Holies, the place where God's presence would rest. God had to keep people out of there because of their sins. You could not go into the Holy of Holies where the Ark of the Covenant was at. God's presence was there. Stay out. As a matter of fact, when the priest would go in there once a year to atone for the sins of, of the nation, he went through a ceremonially cleaning and they put bells on him and they tied a rope to his leg. And when he walked in that Holy of Holies, if he was not right with God, God killed him and he fell down. They would hear the bells ring. They drag him back out. That's what was so serious about this Holy of Holies. Don't go in there. Only the high priest who is set for that year. God had to keep people out of there because of their sins. God limited man's access to him because of our sins filth. But now that Jesus has died, the way had been made for us to have direct access with God. Direct access, relationship. I want to show you 1 Timothy 2 and 5. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. And so God wasted no time whatsoever when Jesus died in ripping the veil in half because the veil was represented of separation between God and man. And you know what? The veil was ripped from the top to the bottom. Only God could do that. We now have full access to God through Jesus Christ. That's what's great about it. Relationship with God directly. Ephesians 2.13 But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. If this does not bring a reason for hallelujah, nothing will. We have direct access to God. Relationship. Verse 46, Jesus cries out now that he commits his spirit to God. I want you to notice that Jesus died on his timing. They couldn't try him in court to get him, find him guilty. Nothing worked. Jesus had to say, yep, I'm the son of God. He died on his own timing. Nobody took his life from him. He went to the cross when he was appointed to go. Because right after he committed his spirit to God, it says he breathed his last. It's done. God is in control. Nobody took his life from him. Jesus laid it down for us according to God the Father's timely plan. Jesus died because he willed it, and he did not call those angels down to come get him because he wanted all of us who would come to him to be saved. Luke 23 and 47. So when the centurion saw that what had happened, he glorified God, saying, Certainly this was a righteous man. And the whole crowd who came together to that site, seeing what had been done, beat their breasts in return. But all his acquaintances... And the women who followed him from Galilee stood at a distance watching these things. Now behold, there was a man named Joseph, a council member, a good and just man. He had not consented to their decision and deed. He was from Arimathea, a city of the Jews, who himself was also waiting for the kingdom of God. This man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then he took it down, wrapped it in linen, and laid it in a tomb that was hewn out of the rock where no one had ever lain before. That day was the preparation and the Sabbath drew near and the women who had come with him from Galilee followed after and they observed the tomb and how his body was laid. Then they returned and prepared spices and fragrant oils and they rested on the Sabbath according to the commandment. Now the gospels detail Jesus' burial. They demonstrate Jesus' burial to prove that he was dead. He really did die. A lot of people like to claim, no, he didn't really die. He died. Trust me, okay? He really died. In the other uh, gospel accounts, a, a soldier stabbed him in the side. It said blood and water came out. That was prophetic of the Holy Spirit, but it was also demonstrated to show that the, the plasma had separated and the clear and the, and the red came out separately. That only happens when you have no blood circulating. The blood separates like that when you're truly, truly dead. He, he died. The, again, the lie circulated that Jesus didn't die, uh, especially after that his body was, they discovered his body was gone. They said, oh, he got up and left. No, he died. But now we hear about Joseph of Arimathea, a man that we hadn't heard about before. Suddenly he's being talked about because he, he had apparently followed Jesus in secret. So now Joseph had been changed apparently because now he's bold. He had become bold for Jesus, and he stuck his neck out by going all the way up to Pilate, the governor, to ask for Jesus' body. Now, in John 19, 38, there was another secretive follower of Jesus that you may remember. His name was Nicodemus. He was a Pharisee. He came to vi- visit Jesus under the cover of night. He, too, got courageous for Jesus and came to help bury him. So there were a lot of men that got changed out of this. Jesus went through a trying time. Died on a cross. But you know what? It was good for the thief. It was good for us. Look what it did for Joseph of Arimathea. I'm going to Pilate now. We ain't never heard nothing about him because he kind of stayed in the back. Now he's bold. Nicodemus, too. He went and helped bury Jesus. Now Nicodemus ain't just going to see him at night. Now he's in it. He's in it now. Let's get bold for Jesus Christ. Did you know? that Jesus was thinking of you while he was being crucified. Don't be that in-the-closet Christian. Let's be bold and stick our necks out for him. He died for us.
0: Thanks for listening today and please join me every day, Monday through Friday, unless our Lord Jesus returns for us this week. This program is listener-supported and depends on tax-deductible donations to stay on the air. Give to Watch Therefore and contact me through our website at watchtherefore.tv you can also send tax-deductible donations to WatchTherefore, P.O. Box 564, Pearland, Texas, 77588. Again, by the web, WatchTherefore.tv, and mail, WatchTherefore, P.O. Box 564, Pearland, Texas, 77588. You can also call me right now at 713-624-0943. That's 713-624-0943 keep watching for messiah jesus
2: this is john peak with israeli self-defense and fitness we are the new breed of martial arts and fitness designed to give you the understanding and skills to defend yourself and your family against an attack or threat by an armed or unarmed attacker or multiple attackers We're an international organization led by former Israeli soldiers with a curriculum that is simple and effective. You owe it to yourself, family, and loved ones to be able to defend against any assault should the need arise. We are followers of Jesus Christ, led by His Holy Spirit, to provide a safe and functional training environment to develop life-saving skills and increase your physical fitness beyond what you may think is possible. We offer group, private, and corporate training Call today and mention KKHT to get a 10% discount on your membership. Remember, you owe it to yourself and loved ones not to be a victim. Visit us on the web at IsraeliSelfDefense.net or call 713-53-TRAIN. That's 713-538-7246 to get started today.